The amazing Swedish activist Greta Thunberg said in a few words on her official Facebook account that the environmental movement is not political. And I quote, I'm sometimes called political, but I've never supported any political party, politician, or ideology. I communicate the science and the risks of failing to act on it. And the fact that the politics needed don't exist today, neither to the right, left, nor center. If anyone thinks that what I and the science are saying is advocating for a political view, then that says more about that person than about me. That being said, some are certainly failing more than others. Almost everybody in the comment section was praising her, except for a few far-right trolls, of course, who sharing it thousands of times and telling her how wonderful she is. Yes, queen, work, house put downs, we stand, hashtag team Greta, etc., etc., etc. But I thought that statement was very irresponsible. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not part of the... I hate Greta Thunberg Club or Greta is the spawn of Satan Association. I like Greta very much. She has done extremely remarkable things and has done way more for the environment than me, a black woman with a podcast. She's a sincere, well-spoken activist who is fighting nonstop for the environment and has started a very powerful movement worldwide especially among children and teenagers. However, she expressed a huge problem in the mainstream Western environmental movement, not to be political enough. A long, long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was a young Hare Krishna, an environmental activist woman, who was me. I was young, vegetarian, and Hare Krishna. Okay, now... I am not religious at all, but that's a story for another episode. There was so much enthusiasm and love. The movement was getting momentum. There were groups around Latin America which would connect vegetarian and vegan activists with anyone who wanted to fight for the environment. I participated myself in marches, talks, in universities, distribution of material, in the streets. I even went to a huge march in Mexico. But something was lacking and it was real political action and intersectionality. They would even do the let's listen to the indigenous people thing before it was cool. But they wouldn't actually listen. Instead, they would treat them as magical and wise creatures who came to bless us and enlighten us instead of understanding the importance of having a political and anti-colonial message. Greta Tumbari herself has talked about listening to the indigenous people herself or whoever is administrating her official Facebook page has shared news about attacks on indigenous environmental activists, but then she said that the environmental movement should not be political? What type of bullshit is that? But why the fight for the environment must be political? The thing is, whether we like it or not, environmental issues are political. 
First and foremost, big multinational companies understand the importance of being politically involved. That's why they do a lot of lobbying and work with governments to push their agendas. BP, Shell, ExxonMobil, and Chevron, which are one of the largest oil and gas companies in the world, spend almost $200 million a year lobbying to delay, control, or block policies to tackle climate change in the U.S. BP and Chevron donated millions to stop a carbon tax in Washington state. Around the world, multinational companies work with local governments in order to push their agendas and exploit the country's natural resources, like the Canadian company Barrick Gold in countries like the Dominican Republic. I invite you to listen to my previous episode where I talk in more details about the situation of the Barrick Gold in the Dominican Republic. In a lot of cases, there is a racist and colonial agenda behind how local politicians let those companies exploit territories that are owned by Aboriginal people, like the construction of pipelines through indigenous people's territories in Canada and the United States to the destruction of the Amazons. And I invite you as well to listen to my previous episode where I talk about why we must decolonize environmental activism. Especially for activists of color, the way politics and environmental activism interact are a matter of life and death. The killing of environmental defenders has significantly increased in the past 15 years. The increase of brutal killings of indigenous activists in Brazil are a direct consequence of racist piece of shit Bolsonaro's policies on indigenous people's territories. And these hideous crimes are received with impunity by the Brazilian authorities. There is racism, classism, and a lack of intersectionality within the white Western environmental movement that needs to be addressed. From excluding indigenous activists from events and trying to erase their fight and voices, to blaming the working class and people of color for environmental disasters, and even Green Party supporting racist policies and far-right parties. There are countless examples of indigenous activists being mistreated by white Western activists. For example, during the Montreal climate strike last year, indigenous activists who went reported receiving racist treatments and remarks. And when they got into the main stage and requested five minutes to honor the missing and murdered indigenous women targeted because of their activism, they were asked not to do it because that would, cre- that would break apart their organizing coalition. Ugh. And don't get me started on those green parties and organizations with zero intersectionality who excuse themselves with the lame premise of, we only care about the environment, nothing else is more important. But don't mind working with conservative parties like the Green Party in Sweden, or even far-right politicians like the Green Party in Austria. It's amazing how parties like them would shame the working class and immigrants for flying, but would support racist, conservative, and far-right parties. And don't get me started on the trendiest, newest, coolest, and hippiest organization, Extinction Rebellion. I mean, 
they're trying or whatever to be more like inclusive but the record on minorities and the working class has been a wild ride hasn't it their mass arrest practices exclude activists of color and such organization has also made racist remarks against people of color who lives in the cities referring to them as the real criminals the police should care about instead of them give me a second to roll my eyes and don't forget when extension rebellion founder downplayed the holocaust aren't they lovely what do unicorns santa claus reverse racism ethical consumerism and green capitalism have in common they don't exist how can one consume ethically in a system that was built up on exploitation ethical consumerism and green capitalism are just pr moves to make companies look friendly to the public and move responsibility away from them remember less than a hundred companies are responsible for more than 70% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions since 1988. Not being political enough causes a lack of understanding on how different factors play roles in environmental issues. Not being political enough also makes you attack the wrong people. Of course, Jane should recycle more and try to eat organic, but maybe Jane can't do so because she's a working class single parent who must work three jobs and can't afford to spend $7 for a kilo of organic apples at Whole Foods. By the way, I just checked that in their website and that's the actual price. And don't forget that Whole Foods is owned by Amazon. And that same person that criticizes someone like Jane sometimes would vote for the same parties and politicians who support anti-environmental policies or wouldn't vote at all. But of course, they couldn't have known. They couldn't have also known that Amazon is in the oil industry. They don't want to be political. I'm not against people changing their lifestyles. On the contrary, let's keep doing all those things and let's keep protesting and going to marches or just do the best we can. There's nothing wrong with wanting to focus your energy and activism in a specific area. The environmental movement is big and complex, but it's good to keep in mind that in order for those practices to have a real impact, which can be long-term, we must change the system. And this can be done with real intersectional and anti-colonial political action. Intersectionality help us see who the real enemy is. No one is perfect. I am not at all. But we need to listen and to understand that this is a political fight. I understand almost everybody who is interested in the environmental movement has good intentions one way or another. But are good intentions enough? After all, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Welcome to this episode's anti-nihilism section, because not everything is shed in this world. Ironically, I am very optimistic because 
a lot of anti-colonialist environmental activism is getting attention and the discussion is getting a lot of momentum. Indigenous activists are becoming more and more visible and some politicians and political parties are taking more intersectional posters. But today I want to talk about some amazing activists. Um, I want to talk about Takaya Blani. She's a very badass activist from the Tlamine First Nations of Canada. You can follow her on Twitter as at Salish Memer. She's really, really cool. Okay, I'm going to read that part again. <coughs> I want to talk also, I want to invite you to follow Takaya Blani in Twitter. Her um, Twitter account is at Salish Memer. She's a very badass activist from the Tlamine First Nation in Canada. So she's really, really cool. You can also follow uh, Wed Suwed and Access Point Facebook page where they document their fight against oil and gas pipelines in Canada. And I also invite you to follow on Facebook and Twitter. And I also invite you to follow on Facebook and Twitter, Wretched of the Earth. They are an activist coalition with an intersectional perspective on environmental justice from the UK. They are on Facebook and Twitter, they're very, very active. So you can learn a lot about all of the amazing things they're doing. I'm gonna include all of these links in this episode description so you can check them out and learn more about the work they're doing, which is really, really amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I'm back with a more consistent posting schedule. I apologize for taking so long to post a new episode, but these past months have been crazy, not only because of the holidays, but also because my laptop broke down. But all that's in the past. I'm back and I'm super excited. I have a lot of new things planned for you, including another live event. More information on my Facebook page and also on my Instagram account. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share so this project can keep growing. Every episode, I do it with so much love, and I always use reliable sources. In this episode description, I have included the sources I've used for this episode. Once again, thank you so, 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 so much for listening. And this is Mango Podcast. <laughs>